0: You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Good morning. If we haven't met, my name is Bert. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for getting up. Thanks for spending your Sunday uh, with us this first Sunday of 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Sure. Great. Uh, It's a little bit weird. Everybody's like, I've been hearing this thing like, oh man, 2022 can't be any worse than 2021. To which I say, hold your tongue. All right. Look, we lost Betty White in the fourth quarter. We're just going to keep it quiet. All right. Right. That was awful. So look, it's not in my notes. I need to just to keep moving, but I felt that one. I felt that. So look, here's um, here's where we're going in 2022. Um, I want us to, as a church, as we go forward, I want us to become a church, and I feel not just me. I feel like a leading in this. I want us to become a church that doesn't just believe things, but practices the things that we believe. In particular, when, like, one of our values as a church, we say that we are a church that values being empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we believe that. We, we, are, we are what's called continuationists. We believe that what we see in the Bible, we should expect in the here and now. And what I'd like, like, but what I'd like for us to do is practically live that out. So for instance, if we say that we believe that God heals the sick, and yet we never pray for the sick, do we really believe it? You know, if we say that we believe that God speaks and that you can hear him, and yet we don't give you opportunities to maybe learn how he speaks or then uh, discern and, and, and listen for words for, for your life or for the lives of, of others, do we really believe that? And so where we're going as a church in 2022 is, is we're going to get into what the Word says, and we're going to dig into Scripture about this so that we become a church that doesn't just believe it but actually practices it. And so, like, I'll just tell you, like, the series that are coming up, we're Going forward, we're going to be studying through the book of 1 Corinthians, because I think that's a very big prime manual on all that, and also a response to a lot of abuses of it, and we're going to, after we're done with 1 Corinthians, we're going to go into the book of Acts and just see it played out in practice, because because here's what we've got to do. Um, We've got to learn to, as a church, discern between some things. Mainly, and if you're taking notes, uh, write this down, we want to learn the difference between the Bible versus speculation, tradition, and I'll just say it, superstition. We wanna know the difference between like, like what does like the Bible say versus like speculation? Okay, I think maybe this is what happened and 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 you know like tradition, I mean you came from a faith movement that said that they believe these things too, but, but they, they practiced some things that weren't necessarily found in the scriptures, or let's, let's say it's superstition, like you know, I, I felt goosebumps and I and maybe that was the Holy Spirit and you know I was in this room and 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 you know like I, I like they, they played a B flat chord on the keyboard, I just knew that God was there. Well, no, that's that's superstition. Like and So we want to go, what does does the Scripture, like, what do the Scriptures actually teach? Because if we're New Testament Christians, we want to do that. And we don't think that God's Word is lacking in anything. We think, okay, listen, if the Word is true, then what it says should apply to us. And so to go forward and, and do all of that, we've got to understand something. Because when it comes to this idea of, being, uh, of living out what we see in the scriptures, unfortunately, there have been some very well-meaning brothers and sisters, and they are our brothers and sisters, who have articulated and created doctrines that, that maybe aren't exactly true or right. And one of the big ones that we're going to just work to get past, and so, like, t- t- today we're not going to First Corinthians for the next couple of weeks. We're just going to clarify some things about God, the Holy Spirit, so that when we go into First Corinthians, we have a better framework for what the book is actually talking about. So today we're going to answer one question. We're going to clear up a lot of misunderstanding, and here's the question that we're going to answer. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does that mean, like, what does that mean, to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because there are different understandings of that. Now, like, traditionally, through church history, the understanding was when Christians became believers, when Christians, like, became Jesus followers, that was when you received the Holy Spirit. Like, you were transformed, brought from spiritual death to life. You were saved. Like, God began this process called sanctification, where he begins to make you more like Jesus, and he empowered you to be witnesses to the world around you. And we get this from places like Ephesians, One thirteen, where it says this, Paul writes, in him, talking about uh, God, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In other words, okay, when you believed in Jesus, you received the Holy Spirit. He came into your heart. He sealed you. He marked you for redemption. He will see you through until the end. And that's been the traditional understanding through church history. But again, brothers and sisters came along, and like and I'm thinking about, for instance, there was this this movement called the Keswick movement, which which started in the 1800s, and the Keswick said, well, yeah, yeah, like if when you become a Christian, you kind of receive the Holy Spirit kind of, and this also this bled into the Azusa Street Revival, which was the birth of Pentecostalism and, and charismatic theology, um, but the cast works, they said, all right, listen, yes, you you receive the Holy Spirit, kind of, but what you really need is what's called a second blessing, and so, yeah, you get the Holy Spirit to save you, but if you want to be empowered for ministry, if you want to, like, receive spiritual gifts, or, hey, you want to, like, get that extra measure of power so that you become more like Jesus and all those things that are entangling like entangling you fall off, you need this second blessing, which they would call being filled with the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They divided these two things. And so, okay, there's salvation, but here's this other thing you've got to have. And unfortunately, what happens is this. And maybe you, you come from a background uh, where that's been your belief, that's been your church's belief, and if you, if you have, we're so glad that you're here. And we, we're probably going to disagree today. I'm probably going to poke at your theology a lot but just know that it's not from anything but a place of love. Like, you, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? But, but here's the problem with that sort of viewpoint. Of, okay, like, you kind of get the Holy Spirit, but, but you need to pray so you get him more. The problem with that is this, is that it unintentionally creates first and second tier Christians. Like, like when you say, right, like, some people have the Holy Spirit, but others actually have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, what you're doing is saying, oh, listen, there's some people who are kind of in God, and, it, and it's a surprise if God uses them. But, there are others who, like, that's what you really want. You really want this extra, this second blessing, this bigger thing. And I have seen, here's why I'm preaching on this, because I have seen people really, really hurt by this. And, and you might go, like, why are you Bible nerding out right now? Like, talk about my marriage or what? You know, we'll, we'll get there sometime. But, like, well, here's why, here's why, like, hey, you know, pray for the Lord to, to move and then your marriage will take care of itself. So anyway, um, here's why we need to talk about this. Um, Because, seriously, people get burned. I'll give you an example. You know, uh, a bunch of, of our folks and I, we were at a, uh, uh, a, a retreat not too long ago, and and it was awesome. in the retreat, like we were talking through, like getting past shame and forgiveness and and hurt and trauma, and, and praise God, like, like we were just crying snot, and it was amazing, right? And like right, in my life, and like like somebody was like, you know, um, and, and but the very last session, uh, they showed a video of a speaker, and, and the speaker said this. He said, "Okay, like we we've we made such great progress, and so now what we want to do is we want to give you the fullness of the experience of the Holy Spirit." and So we're gonna pray for the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And you'll know that he's done that if you, and here's the other catch, this, this is really the defining characteristic of, of Pentecostal theology, you'll speak in tongues. right? Like So if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and this is, again, this is it comes from the Catholics, but it's it's absolutely articulated in Pentecostal theology. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will speak in tongues. That's, that's how you'll know. And they, they call it, maybe your movie says like this, they call it initial physical evidence right? And so, listen, like, and, and if you don't speak in tongues, it probably means you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, here's the speaker, and he's going, to like, so we're just going to pray, and I'll do it, and here's what you do. If, if you're not even sure what to do, why don't you start moving your mouth and making sounds, and we'll just trust that God's going to use it. And first of all, like, what? Like, like, okay, can I, can I just say this to somebody who's spoken in tongues for 20 years? Don't work that way. Okay, just heads up. So, anyway, um, no, so, and so, you know, he says this, and our folks are like, what do we do? I'm like, I don't know just sit here i'm not going down there i don't know what's going on right and and, and i watched uh, there 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 was a there was a girl there who's on our team like who's, who just being like tear up and she's like you know i've heard this before like like what's wrong with me that god doesn't want to do this in me and she loves jesus like crazy and the answer is there's nothing wrong with her it's that god gives different gifts to different folks same way, like, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I, I've talked to that, like, they went to a church, and they were like, hey, listen, you don't have the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. How many people uh, who, uh, who, who like, seriously, seriously like, like, love God, like, really, really passionately love God in ways that inspire me, who are, who are like, man, I, I just want the fullness of that experience so that I feel more intimate and more closer with God, and I'll be gifted in this way. And here's the thing I just want you to understand from the jump, particularly before we get into First Corinthians, where we're going to talk all about gifts for a really long time. Here's the thing I need you to know about tongues and about this idea of this second blessing. And if you're taking Let's write this down. Um, no spiritual gift or manifestation gives you, quote, unquote, fullness in your relationship with God. Jesus does that. Okay, no spiritual gift or, or, or manifestation. You know, I feel God here gives you fullness in your relationship with God. Only Christ does that and he does it freely. It has nothing to do with what you feel or how you show it to the rest of the world. Because of the shed blood of Christ, you are as in with God as any person can possibly be because he has given his standing with God to you for free by faith. That's the gospel. It's not about you earning anything or drumming something up or like repeating a mantra or working something out, no. Only Jesus gives you the fullness of your relationship with God, and it has nothing to do with your own personal righteousness and everything to do with his. Okay, now all that said, <laughs> now all that said, I want to tell you, like, we're going to dig into a bunch of Scripture today, I, and I'm ripping a guy off. <laughs> Particularly, there's, there's a book by a guy named uh, Dr. Jack Deere called Why I Am Still Surprised by the Power of the Spirit, uh, it's a re-release of one of his older books, which is just called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. Great book. There's a whole chapter on this in there that I'm taking all kinds of stuff from Dr. Deer. Uh, I've heard, uh, read it there. I've heard it from him in multiple talks. I, just, I, just, I can't recommend this, this book enough. It, it's fantastic. So if I sound like extra smart or scholarly, it's probably because I'm stealing it. So, um, so we want to begin by understanding this phrase right here, because this is, this is the crux that creates the division and the confusion. This phrase right here, filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, that, that's where all of this begins, okay? Like, when it comes to this idea of second blessing, or you've kind of got the Holy Spirit, but maybe not. Where this comes from, this, this, okay, listen, if you're actually filled with the Holy Spirit, you're gonna speak in tongues. How will you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You will speak in tongues. That's the phrase that we've got to clarify what the Bible is talking about there. And, fun fact, it's a phrase that's unique to uh, the writer Luke. It shows up in Luke and Acts a bunch there's one place in Ephesians, it's Ephesians 5, 18, I believe, where Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about there? Um, but you just know in the original Greek, it's a different phrase than what Luke uses in Luke Acts. And so uh, it's, it's and that's the only time Paul ever says anything like that. So what we shouldn't do is form a theology around that. Like if there's like a verse and we're not quite sure what it's talking about, never build a like a, a theology on that. That's just a mistake, Okay. But in Luke Acts, Luke uses the same phrase over and over and over again, and we're going to see what he means. And in fact, like, and this is the thing to know, like when Luke talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, the first time that he uses that phrase isn't even with the New Testament church. And Luke's got something very specific in mind for what that phrase means and what he's talking about, like what God is doing when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit. So you ready to find out what it is? Yeah? Great, because otherwise it'd be a long uh, next 20 minutes. So so Luke actually begins, like, using this phrase, not in the book of Acts, but all the way back in the gospel of Luke. And it comes surrounding the birth stories of Jesus, Christmas stories. And so here's what happens. Um, there's, there's, this, uh, there's this moment, right, where, uh, where uh, there's this, this old man named Zechariah, and he's a priest and, he's, and he's, he's ministering in the temple to the Lord, and the angel Gabriel shows up, right? He tells him, hey, Zechariah, Zach, you and your wife Elizabeth are going to have a son. And they're like, well, we're old. How, how's that gonna happen? It's like, God's gonna do it, and what he's gonna be, he's gonna be a special person. He's prophesying the, the birth of John the Baptist, right? Like, listen, he's gonna, he's gonna go before the Lord, and this is what the angel Gabriel tells Zechariah in Luke 1, starting verse 14. He says, he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be, and look at this, here's our phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. That's the first time this phrase shows up. John the Baptist is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Did John speak in tongues in the womb? We have no evidence of that. But. Something happens. It's going to become a reoccurring theme. So, so Zechariah is like, "What?" Doesn't believe it. it gets uh, becomes mute for a little while. And time goes on, and Elizabeth becomes pregnant. And and time goes more. And then there's the Virgin Mary, who like God brings life to to, to her women. she goes to visit Elizabeth, who's one of her kinswomen. And so you've got Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John. You got Mary, who's pregnant with Jesus. And when they meet up, something happens. And this is meant like this event is meant to be a fulfillment of what the angel Gabriel said would happen earlier in Luke one. Right, so listen. What Gabriel has said is, listen, John, like John, the the infant John in Elizabeth's womb is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's pay attention to what baby John does in the womb, because this is this is here's here's what's going to happen. So it says in Luke one forty one. So when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And right now we recognize something is a little bit off here, and different, because because babies don't do that, right? But here's what we're seeing. The baby reacts supernaturally and points to Jesus. Right? I mean, like, that's the whole, like, the whole reason the baby reacts in, a, in an uncharacteristic baby in the womb way is because the Messiah has just come in front of him. And so, and so, like, does the baby speak in tongues? No, he's doing something else. He's pointing to Jesus in a way that makes everybody stop. And so watch, here's what happens as a byproduct. Let's go back to verse 41. So when Elizabeth heard Mary's screaming, the baby leaped in her womb, and now Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And so what happens? Okay, so Elizabeth is now filled with the Holy Spirit. What does she do? She prophesies that Mary's child is the Messiah. Right? It's like, does she have any indication that's the case? No. Has, has Mary or baby Jesus even done anything yet? No but the Holy Spirit comes upon Elizabeth she's filled with the Spirit and what she does is she points to Jesus. Now now here's we, we shouldn't be surprised by this because if you understand what Jesus says the Holy Spirit's primary function is like in John 15:26 he says, I'll send like my father will spend or send the spirit in my name one of the main things the Holy Spirit does is he points to Christ. That is what he does. He points the world to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus has come into the world, he's died for your sin and mine, and he's risen from the dead, and the only way that we're made right with God is through faith in Christ. That is what the Holy Spirit does. And so when we come back to this phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, what we see from the and I'm just gonna support this again and again and again, is this idea, if you're taking notes, write this down. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to give supernatural testimony to Jesus as the Messiah. That's what this phrase means. It has nothing to do with a second blessing or nothing to do with tongues. It has everything to do with, hey, like the Spirit of God comes upon a person in such a way that they, they, they point to Jesus in supernatural ways that it causes other people to stop and be like, whoa, what? That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'll give you another example, Okay. Going forward, you've got Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, okay? Like, he gets his, his, his ability to speak back, and here's what it says in Luke one sixty seven: His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied what's he prophesied? Verse 68, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And as he has said through his holy prophets long ago, and he talks about how John's gonna point people to Jesus. What's going on? D- does Zechariah speak in tongues here? No. What he's doing, or at least we have no record of it, what he's doing is he's supernaturally pointing people to Jesus as the Messiah, So now we go on to Acts and the story of the New Testament church that has received the Holy Spirit. And here's our most famous verse where where the second wave theology is formed. Here's what it says um, in Acts 2, starting in verse 4. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, by the way, just fun fact, as we're going through this story, okay, you should just know that this verse right here, is the only time in all of the book of Acts where the phrase speaking with other tongues is linked with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Do people speak in tongues in Acts? Absolutely. But in terms of being connected to this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is the only time where that link is there. So it says this in verse five. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard a sound, um, sorry, when when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these uh, who are speaking Galileans? Verse 8. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Okay. Okay. So, hey, so everybody stops. They're speaking in tongues, and people are like, why am I hearing these people speak in my my own language? Okay, but what's the content of what they're saying? You ready? Here's what it is. We hear them declaring the wonders of our God, or of God in our own tongues. So what are they doing? They're supernaturally pointing people to Jesus as the Messiah. Like, what, what are the wonders of God that they're talking about? Well, we know that. Like, we know what it is because later on, Peter preaches the gospel. Like, what we're talking about here is, okay, listen, the Holy Spirit fills the person up, and so they, they can't help but just, they, they proclaim something in a way, or, I mean, can't help isn't the right phrase, but they, they proclaim things in a way that it causes people to stop, marvel, and want to know about this Messiah that they're proclaiming. And this is the thing I want us to understand, okay, and when it comes to this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit, what we're not talking about is some kind of merit badge or this idea of, of, of like, obtaining something. Because what we're going to see is that it's actually, it, it's not a one-time thing at all, or, or a two-time thing. It can be a multiple-time thing. So I, I'll give you an a- example, okay? So we know Peter is, is part of the cruise filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. The story goes on, right? And uh, one day, Peter and John, they're going into the temple, and they see a guy who's a lame beggar, all right? And they say, you know, listen, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ. Stand up and walk. The guy stands up and walks, be like, wow, you know? And what happens as a result, Uh, the religious leaders take exception to that because these guys are proclaiming the name of Jesus, and they don't believe in Jesus. And so Peter and John go on trial with the very people who killed Jesus. In Acts 4, when Peter is called to give an account for what he's just done, this is what it says, then Peter, and look at our phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit. Said to them, and by the way, you're like, well, yeah, he's he filled with the Holy Spirit because back in Acts chapter two, he received the Holy Spirit, and just kind of carrying over. Um, and if it were only in English, you, you could maybe argue that. But, but the way Greek works is it can be very, very crisp in terms of time and tenses, in terms of, like, okay, like, how long does something, is it from the past continuing to the present? Is it, like, a new thing or what have you? And the Greek just doesn't give you the option to believe that it's talking about what he had happened next to. This is a fresh thing. This is him being filled again with the Holy Spirit. And so here's what he does, okay? Rulers and elders of the people, he says, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jumping down to verse 13. So here's, Peter proclaims uh, Jesus, and look at what happens. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. By the way, fun fact, uh, the phrase right here that 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 we're translating, um, is the Greek word <laughs> "idiotes"? That's where, that's, where we get our, that's where we get our word "idiot" from. <laughs> so, so like basically, they look at Peter and John and like these are <laughs> these are knuckleheads. Like we know these guys, right? Okay, uh, but they but look, it says they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who was who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So, so what happens? Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he schools religious leaders. In a way that they stop and they go like, all right, what what does this guy believe? And, And people see it. They're like, okay, like, we know these. What? What is that? It's a supernatural pointing to Jesus as the Messiah, okay? So, well, and the other thing just to remember, okay, what does that tell us? Like, what does this tell us about being filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? It tells us that it's repeatable, Okay. That, that, okay, yeah, you know, Peter, he was filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, uh, but also he, he's filled, again, in Acts 4. If I could just say it like this, well, like, do I have the Holy Spirit or not? Yes, you have the Holy Spirit. I, I would liken it to this. Um, I don't know if we have any, any musicians in here besides worship. Anybody, like, plays an electric guitar, you know, you, you plug into an amplifier, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, and amplifiers are neat because 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 you can control the volume like crazy, right? Like, you can turn it up, turn it up to 11, you know, or, or turn it down, right? There's power, there's sound coming out, but sometimes if you crank it up, that sound just amplifies and maybe blows out eardrums or what have you. Okay. In the same way, like when, when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, there's there just times where like when we're, when we're praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not that we're asking God to give us anything that we're lacking. It's not that we're saying like, Lord, would you give me your Spirit because I don't have Him. What we're asking the Lord to do is just turn that amp up to eleven. Does that make sense? Okay. So, so here's these these guys, Peter and John. Like, I'm just I'm gonna keep going. Okay. Cause I really I want you to see this. Okay. So Peter and John, they keep going, and um. <laughs> they, they leave scared because they're not superhumans. They're, they're, they're guys just like us, all right? And they're scared. Hey, the people that, that threaten Jesus are threatening us now. What do we do? And so they, they do the right thing. They get together to pray. So the, all the believers come together and they pray. And here's what happens in Acts 4, continuing in verse 29. It says, here's what they pray to God. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Why? Because we're scared. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, because it's all about Jesus. And look at verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all, and here's our phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This, by the way, would be the third time in Acts that Peter has been filled with the Holy Spirit. What are we talking about here? We're talking about a temporary empowering to proclaim the name of Jesus. Jesus. I'll give you an example. Another time, so the story goes on, right? And there's this guy, maybe you've heard of him. His name's Paul. And Paul, before he was Paul, uh, his name was Saul, and he was a Pharisee, and he was somebody who made it his mission in life to stamp out Christianity and end the worship of Jesus. And then God kind of had a problem with that. And so God shows up one day, like, Paul, he's on his way to lock up more Christians, and Jesus shows up there, and he goes, like, why are you persecuting me? And and Paul's like, like, who are you? And he goes, I'm Jesus. And so, like, 180 in theology, and he's also stricken with blindness in this moment. He can't see anything, okay? And so he kind of has to fumble his way back. And while he's there sort of evaluating and praying through all this, God is taking care of him. And so he, so like the Holy Spirit speaks to another believer. His name is Ananias. He says, him, hey, listen, over here at that house there, there's a guy named Paul, or at this time it's still Saul, uh, and he's praying, go over there and pray for him to be healed. Remember the story, right? Look at what it says here. So, so Ananias, he goes over in Acts 9, 17. It says this. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road. As you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be. And there's our phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he, he prays for him, and and, and what happens? Well, the, the scales fall off. What's the manifestation? Like, what's the application of it? Like that Luke gives as a result of Paul being filled with the Holy Spirit. Very like it, the chapter tells us, verse twenty. So like he leaves there and says, uh, verse, uh, Acts nine twenty. At once he began to preach in synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners uh, to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. So what's the application of Paul being filled with the Holy Spirit? He goes back to the people who don't believe and astonishes them with his testimony that Jesus is the Lord. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if I could just say it like this. If we are in Christ, if we're in Christ, we're not lacking anything with God. And yet, here's the fun part. We should still pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Like, if we're in Christ, we've got the Spirit of God in us. Period. Done. He's there. And yet, I mean, like, like Paul's abundantly clear on this in Romans. Like, you you can't be in Christ without the Spirit of God. Okay, And yet, we should still ask the Lord to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that he would just crank that amp up to 11. And use us to supernaturally proclaim the name of Jesus to the lost. Now, here's the pushback. Because I know, I've been there. Like maybe maybe you have you have viewed this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit completely different, and you took this different viewpoint of like no, like being filled with the Holy Spirit is it's a subsequent thing to salvation, and when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to speak in tongues. And again, I, I would say we're brothers and sisters in the Lord, and and you, and you are probably an amazing Christian. I'm not doubting your faith or sincerity. I just want to be clear on that. I've known wonderful, wonderful men and women of God who are men and women of integrity who motivate and inspire me, who completely disagree with me about this, and that's okay. But I've also been one of those people, maybe not the motivating me part, but like the, but but like the the okay, I've believed that, okay, no, like I, I used to have this, this theology of okay, like being filled with the Holy Spirit is subsequent to salvation. And there are about three stories in the book of Acts that I would use to to justify that viewpoint. And maybe that's where you are too. Okay. So I'm gonna bring up those stories, and then I'm gonna tell you why they don't mean what you think they mean. Okay. So here's the first one, all right. So first one is this. There's a story of some Samaritan converts coming to Christ, but they don't receive the Holy Spirit when they believe. So here it is. In Acts 8, starting in verse 14, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Did they speak in tongues? I mean, the text doesn't say it, but but probably. I mean, there's probably some physical manifestation to show that that they had them, or that they had him. So 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 what's going on? Um, To to understand this, you kind of have to know a little bit of first century and ancient Israelite history. Um, So here's the deal. Here's the here's the background of the Samaritans. Um, The Samaritans, uh, the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. And the reason they didn't was this. Back, you know, I don't know if you were here during the Christmas series when we talked about, like, Israelite history going up to Christmas. Or, or yeah, basically up to Christmas. Uh, but something that happened about 722 B.C., there was this group called the Assyrians. They, they invaded uh, the, uh, the, the kingdom of Israel, carried people off into captivity. Uh, and, and one of the things that the Assyrians did was they left people in Israel to say, hey, listen, I, we're going to sort of be like uh, pioneers or or, uh, or sojourners. They're going to stay here, and the people who stayed there intermarried with the the, the Jewish people uh, who who were left, who weren't carried off into captivity. They produced kids, and these kids became the Samaritans. They were sort of half Jewish, half Assyrian, or half Gentile. And and, and the the thing with them was um, the reason they and the Israelites didn't get along was they both kind of did crappy things to each other, like throughout. Uh, history. Like, at one point, the, the, the Israelites, they want to rebuild the temple, and um, and the Samaritans come, like, well, help. they like, no, thank you, half-blood. Like, you stay over there. Like, it, it's 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 mean. But the other thing that, like, the Samaritans pushed back on it was, they went, listen, okay, well, if that's how you're going to be, then we're going to create our own religion in the worship of the Lord. So, you guys have your temple over there. We're going to set up our own temple, our the true temple, on our mountain over here. And on top of that, you guys believe all this, like, that Bible stuff? We're going to cut So much from your Bible. And so what they did was they cut all these books from the Old Testament out of their canon of scriptures. Those aren't inspired, but here, like, these five are. This is, like, what we're going to believe. And so you have Samaritans who basically goes, we're going to do spirituality, but we're going to do it on our terms. We're not going to be united with the Jewish people. We're not going to be one family. No, no, no. Like, we'll believe in the Lord, but only as far as he is our Lord. And so when you come to, like, the book of Acts, first of all, it's shocking that the New Testament believers, like, that God has done something in this completely Jewish group that they would even go to the Samaritans. But the second thing is this. When, like, the reason that God withholds giving them the Holy Spirit is what he's telling us, listen, you're one family now. Until you embrace these guys and their teaching and their authority, until you embrace the gospel they're proclaiming to you, like, and you you can't be on your own anymore. This is going to have to be you guys together. And so, like, the, the reason that, that God delays giving the Holy Spirit until the Hesitant Testament church shows up is because they show them, listen, you have to come under the authority of the apostles. You can't do this thing anymore where you come up with your own Bible and your own means of work. Like, that, that's done. That's why there's this withholding going on in Acts 8. So that's the first one. Second one w- would be this. Um, the, like, so, you know, the, the new testament church they kind of get that god wants to go bigger than just israelites but there's a real shocker later on because it turns out god wants to bring the gospel to <gasps> gentiles which is every person who isn't jewish which is us okay so so what happens is there's there's this uh there's this uh, roman guy uh, a general i believe in cornelius um, who believes in god and and an angel shows up and tells, like, send for a guy named Peter so he can tell you how to be saved. And so, you know, Peter has a vision, and God's like, you need to go down there. And Peter's like, what? You know? And so so Peter, like, sort of begrudgingly goes with uh, these people who bring him to Cornelius, and, and he tells them the gospel. And here's what it says in Acts 10, starting verse 44. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came upon all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, that's kind of stings. <laughs> For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Now, does the phrase filled with the Holy Spirit show up here? No, but why is it that they speak in tongues when they receive the Holy Spirit right here? To show that it's not a second-rate salvation that they've received the same salvation as the Jewish people. That's, that's why they're like they're like, well, can we can anybody stop them from being baptized? Yeah, you know? and and that's the idea here. Like, the, and you should just know this. like. The reason there's such a supernatural physical manifestation in that moment, just, just among believers, is this. Um, like, it is so out of left field for the for the the heads of the early church that Gentiles would convert. They actually had to have a special counsel about what to do with them. Like, they don't know. So that's the second one. Third one would be this. again, You know, if you're sort of this like, no, but like the, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a separate thing from salvation. There's one other story you're going to bring up, I think, in Acts. This is the one that I used to bring up. Acts 19, there comes this point where, where Paul encounters some disciples of, of either John the Baptist or maybe just beginnings of Christians, and here's what it says. It says uh, in Acts 19.1, there he's talking about Paul, found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, quick, quick note, by the way. According to this, when is Paul's expectation that they're going to receive the Holy Spirit? When they believe, yeah. I mean, that, like, that's, that's clearly what he, that's, that's what he's expecting to happen. I mean, that's just a fun little side tidbit that Paul doesn't seem to have this theology of, okay, I believe and then later on I get the Holy Spirit in the actual, real, better way. Like, no, like, did you get the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now look at their response. They said, no, we've not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, well, then what, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. So Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is, in Jesus and on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Okay. So, so what happened when they received the Holy Spirit? Well, here's this physical manifestation as they're brought into the family. What's the idea? The idea is this, that up until that moment, these guys have received a half gospel. They don't even know that that there is a Holy Spirit. They don't even know about being baptized in the name of Jesus, which which is you identifying yourself with the family of God, being part of God's people, the body of Christ. Which, by the way, fun fact for you, um, if the way that God testifies to being plugged into the family of God is showing supernatural testimony, like when they did that, when they said, I'm going to be part of the body of Christ, they prophesy and speak in tongues, maybe, just maybe, we're not meant to do this alone. Just gonna put that out there. Like, like one of one the, of the worst things you can do for your spiritual life is isolate, cut yourself off from a body of believers. Make sure that nobody knows you, um, because you are meant to be in this together. We are the body of Christ, and the body of Christ has different gifts and different functions, and all of this work together to glorify the name of Jesus and reach this community. And what you do when you isolate yourself is you kill your spirituality. You become stagnant. Back to this story. What's happened? Well, they received the Holy Spirit because now they understand, I, mean, I just can't stress this enough. They are so not Christians, they haven't even been baptized in the name of Jesus. All they've known about is John the Baptist. So, well, of course they receive the Holy Spirit after they've kind of believed, but not quite. I mean, that just makes sense to me. Okay, so all of that stuff said, all of that said, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit as we go forward? Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a merit badge. It's not a second thing for the rest of your life. Let me just say this too, Okay. If you're looking for a quick fix to your heart and salvation, you underestimate the permanence of the power of God. So, like, if you believe, okay, I'll just pray so that God will instantly cure all my ills like Popeye with spinach, you don't understand that you never, just pastor speaking, can I tell you this? You never reach a point where the Christian life just becomes easy forever. That doesn't happen. Like, you're going you're gonna to have to crucify your flesh. You're going like to go through highs and lows. And the cool thing is, and we'll see this uh, as we go forward, um, is that God is working all things together to form you perfectly. Like, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he died for your sin and rose from the dead, if you've handed your life over to him, you, you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. And here's the really neat thing that doesn't mean that we still shouldn't pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's not a salvation thing. It's not a merit badge. It's an asking to be used by God thing. So how about, church, as we wrap up today, how about we pray to be filled by the Holy Spirit? And I'll tell you what, tonight when we gather for prayer night, we're going to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and let's just see what God does through us. So every head bowed, every eye closed, Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you. Oh, Lord because you love your kids. <laughs> Somebody today, just, just hear these words. You're not second rate. Or the one who thought, "Oh man, like there's people that God likes and people that God wants to use and then there's me. No. You're not second tier, he loves you. He's inviting you into relationship with him because the point isn't spiritual gifts, the point is friendship with Jesus. He wants that friendship with you. He desires it. He loves you. Lord, as a people, we still, with that in mind, we ask you to fill us with the Holy Spirit, to proclaim the name of Jesus in this dark world, to bring lost people who you have not forgotten about to know you. Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit so that the name of Jesus may be glorified. Out there. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for that. While we're still praying, hey, um, I, I just want to give you this invitation. If you would say that you have no relationship with God, maybe you were a believer before and you want to come back, or maybe this is just brand new to you. Maybe you've been religious. I don't know, but you would just say, man, you know, I don't think I know Jesus. Um, I want you to know that you can. It's not about you earning anything from God. He just wants to give you new life. And so if you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus today or come back, I want you just to pray right with me. And here's what we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I turn from it and I turn to you. I believe Jesus died for my sin to make me right with you. And that he rose from the dead to give me new life with you. So Lord, I'm asking you, please give me that new life. Fill me with your spirit. And show me how to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.